What's going on, everybody? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast and resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. So right now, I'm sitting in my car uh, in Lebanon, Indiana. I'm here to see Morgan. I kind of mentioned to you guys last week that she's headed off for Guatemala, so we're hanging out. We just got done getting ice cream, which is our thing, so I'm going to miss her, but got to do what she's got to do. Wish there was a safer place to do that, and there definitely is, but, you know, can't, beggars can't be choosers. So, anyway, uh, thank you all for the love last week. I, I really, really did appreciate all the messages and things. Um, I will probably tweet out a picture of all the books that I mentioned in the episode at some point. Um, and this week, we do have a guest that I, I, one, I scheduled him before convention, and two, I met him at convention, Josh Mank. Uh, the new D2 side of president, um, we will actually talk about that, I believe, first and foremost on this episode. And he'll also go through his times when he was at Newberry. Um, he also has a really, really interesting story. He was a sports guy for uh, 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 a radio station in Louisiana, had his face on a billboard for a couple months, and then the station shut down, so he needed to find a way to do it. And he also mentioned that while he was in college, uh, never did sports information, knew he wanted to work in sports, never worked in sports information until he was after college, and they took a shot on, shot with him uh, at Newberry. So yeah, that's in South Carolina, and then he moved over to Texas, where if you know anything about D2 football, um, you'll know that Texas A&M Commerce is the reigning Division II national champion. So I wanted to kind of keep this brief, guys. I do have things that I need to get done. But I just wanted to say thank you all for the love last week, like I mentioned. And then also you can follow us on social media at Sports Infocast on Twitter and Facebook. And follow us anytime over on uh, any iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Sound, uh, not SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, things of that nature. Leave a rating and a review goes a long way in expanding and growing our audience. So let's start off. Episode number 80, I think we're at 84, 83 of SID Cast with Josh Mank of the Texas A&M Commerce Lions, and uh, what it means to him to kind of be named the new D2 side of president right here on SIDcast. Well, I was a little bit because I was previously the uh, second vice president, and it's a two-year rotation uh, up through president, first DP, second DP. Uh, Kelly Loft, who was previously the first VP at uh, Southwest Minnesota State, decided that he didn't want to continue in the rotation. So essentially, I got something I knew was coming, but two years ahead of schedule. So uh, it was fairly interesting. Uh, not a lot of on-the-job training for this presidency <laughs> so much. Uh, really not even 100% sure what I'm supposed to do, but I know I'll figure it out. And It's a real honor, though, because I mean, I got voted into second VP four years ago when I wasn't as established uh, and my job wasn't as established in Division Two, didn't have the connections that I have now, and people still voted for me. Hmm. And I think that uh, people had a lot of confidence in me now um, after four more years that, I mean, they could have said, hey, let's open up the voting process. Hey, let's do this differently. They're like, no, let's do it this way and keep Josh around. And so um, it's really... Uh, cool to know that my fellow SIDs in my division are confident in what I can do as a leader and know enough about my job skill and job set and networking ability and everything that they, they kept me around. So 
I mean, I know I'm going to be helping represent Division Two at the NCAA convention and probably some other conventions throughout the year. Um, in Division Two, we run our own um, All America and All Region award system. Uh, so I'm not necessarily saying I'm in charge of that, but you know, organizing that and you know, helping publicize and archive that a little bit better than than has been done in the past, and uh, get a lot more D2 SIDs involved in. D2 SIDA as a whole and COSIDA as a whole because there's a lot of committees that don't necessarily have a lot of D2 representation on them. And so it should be uh, really interesting to see how these next two years go as the president. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, we just kind of wrapped up. What are we, like two, three days removed from COSIDA 2018? I was able to meet you, but how did your convention go? What number convention was this for you? This was my eighth convention, and if you can't tell from my voice, I had an amazing time. Uh, This is definitely the roughest I've sounded after a convention in a while. Uh, My first one was uh, Tampa, which I believe was 07 or 08. Uh, Three that were just Cosite on their own, and all the others combined with NACTA since then. Uh, But uh, I'm a member of the convention programming, excuse me, convention programming committee as well, which... uh, changes your perspective on uh, the convention because you've been working on what's going to happen for months and months and months. I, I know we're going to have uh, conversations in the next few weeks already about uh, COSIDA 19. And so you kind of know what's coming. You, there's not as many surprises uh, unless a presenter or a panelist or a moderator has to cancel at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a definitely an interesting uh, way to approach a convention is you kind of know what's going to happen already. And so I'm, I'm there more of a sponge to listen to what the other attendees have to say about it and see if there's any types of changes we can make on the fly or what they like, what they don't like, what they want to see next year. Um, it's a really interesting perspective. So what are some things, maybe some ideas that you have that you want to change for COSIDA 19? Uh, I don't know if change is necessarily the right word because I mean, the reviews we've we haven't gotten the surveys back, uh, and if anybody's listening and they haven't filled out their survey, make sure you fill out your survey, because that's the only way we know what you want, uh, more specifically. Um, but the feedback on the panels seem to be overwhelmingly positive from, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, the graphics theory to start the thing to the uh, divisional day, men's and women's health, all these issues that we've brought up. Uh, and the numerous online groups and getting them presented in a large uh, setting was definitely huge. Um, but I definitely want to see a little bit more, uh, and I think I may have said this online inside a chat uh, last night, was a little bit more case studies of how people are attacking specific issues, what they did through them, and how it did or didn't work. I almost want to present a failure uh, of an idea just so that people realize that we're not only choosing really cool ideas that big D1s are doing to put on stage or something like that. You know, somebody that tried to go big and only made a medium or something like that. Um, I really want to see more case studies type stuff with the realization from uh, the people out there listening because I think this happened a lot in the past few years and we've gotten better about it. But people hear this idea and they want to take it exactly as it's presented instead of making it their own. And when I was on stage and uh, moderating my panel, 
I wanted to make sure that that's what people took was tell your story. We're, we're up here talking about storytelling. I don't need you to, it doesn't do you or your school any good to tell somebody else's story. Tell your story, but use how we did it to tell your story. And I, I think that's, that's the important part. Um, so hopefully we, we get some stuff out there like that. And I think there's also a, uh, definitely a push to hear more on uh, mental health and well-being throughout the year. Um, I know that's not something I'm necessarily great at, but I, I would love to hear some of that and keep the momentum we've got going. I know they uh, heard from uh, other attendees from my university who are going to CABMA and NAD and uh, the compliance that our programming is so much more robust than theirs and that it's just jam-packed uh, schedule all the time. And there's just like, here's a, here's a general session. Mm-hmm. Neat. You know, and so I think we've done a great job over the past few years, and I just want to help keep that rolling. So we just recapped Coast side of 2018, but let's go back to the beginning for you. Uh, East Texas native, went to Austin mm-hmm. College, is that correct? That is correct, by Kangaroo, class of 05. <laughs> awesome. So what was it about Austin College that kind of drew you there? Um, have you always wanted to be in working in sports? Uh, yes, to sports. And uh, I don't know if he listens, but this is where I issue a – an apology to Chuck Sadowski at Bridgeport. Uh, he was the SID at Austin College when I was in school. I did not know sports information existed, <laughs> and I never volunteered. I was never a student worker. I don't even know. It's not a very athletically-minded campus, so um, athletics was more of a beer-drinking event than a athletics event for me. Uh-huh. Um, so I apologize to Chuck every year at convention. Um, but it was a school where, uh, my mother went there, um, I'd been involved with a lot of events on their campus beforehand. I knew some people who were going there already. And, uh, I was a communications major with a religion minor and that wasn't even on purpose. It's a liberal arts school. So I was just taking stuff that sounded interesting Mm -hmm. and somehow wound up with a degree. Um, they let me out of there on time and I've almost got my student loans paid off. So good job, Austin college. Um, but uh, during that time, I was also, uh, being from East Texas, very involved with high school football, even though I was not a football player myself. Um, got on a couple message boards, and this was 03, 04, 05 in that range. And internet radio was kind of in its infancy. And a lot of smaller uh, high schools out here didn't have broadcasts. And so I hooked up with my friend, Terry Bennett, who's a message board friend of mine. And uh, we did a, essentially a small game of the week. And we went into some of the smallest, uh, like didn't even have chairs, press boxes. And I got into internet high school football radio. That was basically my start. And then from there, he got a job at an ESPN radio affiliate in Shreveport, hired me after graduation. Within a month, I was on the, Afternoon drive, had my face on a billboard across I-20 from the Independence Bowl. And within two months after that, the station had shut down. So it was a very sudden uh, realization of how fickle uh, sports media can be. Um, I never took an English course in college. I got my writing credits from uh, religion and poli-sci courses. I never took any journalism courses whatsoever, but I applied for a, a 
sports writing job at the Times Review in Cleveland, Texas. And I don't know how, but they hired me. Um, worked there for about nine, ten months, and all they have is high schools, uh, rec sports out there. And I lined up an interview uh, with an athlete from the area who was in college, and I emailed the coach. Because at this time, as I said, I didn't know what sports information was. I had no idea. Right. And they were like, oh, you don't go through me. Go through the SID. I was like, oh, what's this? Got the interview. Uh, did a post-game interview. Went to the game. Set courtside. All that kind of stuff. And then that's when I found out what this job was and uh, how it works and what they do. And this is in 05 or 06. So this is pre-social media, pre a lot of video and video streaming. Uh, you know, at this point, it's still mainly press releases, websites, stats, and media guides for the most part. But uh, wound up hopping on Cosida.com Job Center uh, right before uh, it was probably May, and I didn't even email any resumes or anything because I didn't have a way to make a PDF at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, so I printed them all out and gigantic envelopes and sent them to uh, every job on there, regardless of if I was even remotely qualified, uh, and got one call back and took that job, and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, and your uh, one callback was, what, Newberry College, and you spent quite a bit of time there. So uh, what was it like kind of adjusting with, like you said, you didn't have any sports information experience, and all of a sudden you're thrust into the sports information job. How did you adapt in those early years? Uh, I had to adapt quickly, I'll say this. Uh, so it was Newberry College. I went out there for a nine-month internship. This is the uh, summer of 06. And uh, Scott McCain, a uh, friend of mine, he, a good friend of mine now, he hires me. And then before we even get to the first game of anything, do any live stack crew or anything like that. He started coaching me up on InDesign and how to use the website, that kind of thing. Before we even get to the first game, he took another job. And so I was, we were just completely thrust into it. We were able to get a head SID before football season. But um, he wasn't a great fit. The, the replacement was not a great fit at that institution. Um, but, you know, some of the stuff like doing stats in-game uh, we only did hand stats for volleyball at that point. So having to learn volleyball with that crew wasn't really a priority. Uh, soccer is easy. Football is actually not that bad. And I've been doing, uh, in the newspaper job, I've been keeping uh, hand stats on a legal pad while shooting uh, photos at the same time. So I was kind of writing my own play-by-play. So I was kind of used to it. It was just a matter of... Uh, you know, teaching yourself the codes and everything. And then adapting to, you know, dealing with different teams and dealing with coaches, that's the uh, biggest difference from being outside of Sports Info to inside of it uh, was, you know, I am the, um, you're kind of the buffer between the coaches. And it wasn't like working in the high school where you just kind of go up to them and it's kind of a free-for-all. You know, you want a little bit of structure and that kind of thing. Uh, But, I mean, it was one of those I had to adapt very quickly, but luckily um, I had good people around me, good coaches to work with. A good buddy of mine, Bryce Zimmerman, who's now out of the business but working at Georgia Tech, uh, was uh, my fellow intern at the time. We had the basis of a good intern program. 
So the adjustment wasn't really too terrible, but it was definitely a whirlwind of, okay, here's your boss, here's your new boss. All right, now it's time, let's run some games. Okay, now it's basketball season. And then you just look up and it's February already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after that time at Newberry, you, you came back to Texas a and Commerce, kind of the, phrasing the same question for you. What was life like at that time? Was it kind of a no-brainer for you to come back to Texas? Uh, can you spare no detail? Yeah, well, so basically the Newberry thing, like I said, it was a nine-month internship that I turned into 10 uh, I wound up getting promoted to the head SID after my intern year. And so after a couple of years, you know, you're looking at other jobs because I'm not going to lie, and this is not a shot at Newberry. It, does, it doesn't pay that great. Mm-hmm. It just it's a smaller university or smaller college rather without a ton of budget and that there's only so many resources you can put into certain positions and you know it's a good it's a really good starting point and you start looking at it after a while and you do the thing where you apply for everything under the sun but then you get comfortable and then it's got to be the right spot uh, to leave and I remember when I announced that I was coming out here to commerce. There were a lot of people like, wow, I can't believe you left Newberry. Like, they thought I was going to be a lifer, even though I was, uh, at the time when I left, I was 33. You know, I, when you're somewhere that long for 10 years, uh, you get established. You get people used you're, like, you're Josh from Newberry. You're not necessarily Josh Mank. You're mm-hmm. Josh from Newberry. And so it was kind of interesting uh, to get the reactions from people when I did leave. Because Comer, I mean, it's also Division Two. Uh, it's a bigger Division II school. Our enrollment's about 13 times what it was at Newberry. But we have fewer sports. Uh, larger support staff, larger university, larger across the board. But um, I knew a couple of people who had been here before. Uh, guys like uh, Rand Champion and Danny Campbell and Bill Powers. Like there's There have been some good SIDs who've run through Commerce, but Commerce hadn't had a ton of success as a school. So it really wasn't a great job for a while. But then we started winning, and then, I mean, it's the closest scholarship football program to where I grew up. I'm an hour and a half from home. Uh, when I was growing up in Gilmer, Texas, and driving to Austin College, I would go through go through Commerce all the time. So it was a no-brainer for me when I found out it was open. I uh, applied and interviewed, and I pretty much, uh, there was not a lot of uh, salary negotiation. It was kind of... Uh, Except on the spot. It was, I knew it was a place I wanted to be. There have been a lot of teams having a lot of success. And then if you look at the last two years since I've been here, uh, I hope, I'm going to take a little credit for it and say not completely coincidentally, but I mean, we won our first national championship as an NCAA school this year. Uh, I mean, this is a place we've got student support that's uh, almost unheard of in Division Two for our student-athletes. We've got great campus partners. Right? This is a place where if people thought I was going to be a uh, Newberry lifer, they're definitely going to think that I'm going to be a commerce lifer. Yeah, awesome. So we will get to some of that uh, national championship stuff here in just a minute, but I do want to touch on something that you mentioned. People say that you were Josh from Newberry. Maybe that there, there are some SIDs out there who maybe feel stuck or maybe just get too comfortable and maybe are a little bit afraid of taking that jump to maybe a job that they feel, one, like they really want, or two, maybe they feel like they're really qualified for. Um, what would you say to those who feel stuck in their positions? Um, I, I think it's more important to 
see where you're wanted and where you feel comfortable. Uh, I was, I, if this job had not come open, I would probably still be Josh from Newberry, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, it is being where you're wanted and where you're appreciated. And I think that's the most important part because, um, like I said, the money was never great at Newberry, but I was able to make a, a decent living, and I, I've always felt personally appreciated there. Um, I still am in contact with a lot of my coaches there and a lot of my media members. Uh, but there, I heard some comments from people uh, at panels this week when they went up to the mic. They were they were like, you know, it kind of felt like you could tell they were not appreciated at their school. Uh-huh. And without getting into any details on that. And I believe it was John Painter from Colgate who said straight up, then you need to leave that job. Um, you know, we're not, this is not a uh, fast food job where you can just treat people badly. Or this is not, should not be a high turnover job. This is a great industry, a great job where we get to tell people stories. And if you're not treating the people who tell your story well, then how well do you think your story is going to get told? I mean, that the communications part of college athletics, in my mind, is right up there with one of the most important parts of it. Because it doesn't matter what the student-athletes do if nobody finds out about it. And we're doing this for the student-athletes. So get find somewhere where you feel appreciated and you know take your time and make sure it's a good spot, I think. You know, some people rush into a new, a second subpar position because they're not happy with where they're at at the moment. And that's just going to make you more unhappy. Take your time. So you can suck it up for another few months to find the right spot. Yeah. That'd be my, get to somewhere where you're appreciated. I was at that panel where he told him to take a different job. Uh, yeah, completely wholeheartedly agree. I want you to tell us a story of your football team. I want you to cover, go through covering the national championship. Uh, at what point during the season did you think, oh, my God, this team could win the national championship? Um, honestly, it was probably the second round of the playoffs. Uh, our region is stacked. Uh, we went 9-1, and one, uh, lost on the road to Midwestern State, didn't even win our conference. There were three undefeated teams in our region, so we were only in the fifth seed. Uh, so when you see that, like, it's one of those, it doesn't matter how good you feel you are, you, you know you're going to have to go on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. So you're not terribly confident. Um, the team is, but in your mind you're like, all right, two, three rounds. Like, but then in the, in the second round we go to uh, Central Washington, Thanksgiving weekend, quarterback who – uh, winds up winning the Harlan Hill, uh, first-team All-American on four teams, four-time player of the year, conference male athlete, you know, best dude ever. Right. Uh, has the worst game of his life in the first half. Uh, threw more interceptions in that game than he did in the regular season. And you're down 28-7 at the half. Came back and tied it on the last play of the game and won it in double overtime with a walk-off field goal. Uh, and you get to that point, and you're like, and that was against the number one seed. Uh, who essentially was one of the nation's number one seed on their field in their conditions. Because, I mean, being for Texas, you're not used to being in Washington on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that was the moment. Uh, when we won that game, I didn't think anybody could beat it. Um, 
And it turns out I was right. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those, it was the wildest uh, trip to a national championship anybody in Division Two football has ever had. Um, like I said, it's the five seed. We had to go on the road for the first uh, three rounds of the playoffs in, to make the national semifinals. Uh, I had to go to Minnesota, Washington, and back to Minnes- back to Minnesota. We did the math. It was over 9,000 miles round trip between the three trips. Wow. Uh, and then just the way the rest of the bracket played out, we got to host the national semifinal after being on the road for three weeks, which had never been done. And then it's against the closest of any of the other playoff schools to us. So we wind up with the biggest crowd we've ever had on national TV. Uh, we had to make all sorts of changes to our operations to accommodate everything, which was absolutely wild. Uh, stayed up at the stadium till probably 4 in the morning the night before the game, getting everything ready. We're back up there at 8.30 for a 2.30 kickoff. Uh, and at that point, winning that game uh, against Harding, uh, we kind of clinched it with a 90-yard screen pass for a touchdown. And the guy's running down the sidelines in front of the home stand. And there's a shot in our highlight video where uh, our cameraman zooms out to, uh, you know, get the guy running. And all you can see is people. You don't see a single seat. You just see 10,000 people going absolutely nuts. And then after all that, you just got to get ready to go do it again the next week. <laughs> Kansas City. Like, it. And so for us at that point, though, it was just like another road trip. It's just a bigger stadium and it was left a day early. Um, and then the stories involved with that between our quarterback having, having never played high school football uh, and turning into a Harlan Hill winner. Our kicker uh, is one of the DACA Dreamer kids, uh, the all, all-time leading scorer in school history as a junior. He's out there. We've got, you know, pro prospects and redshirt freshmen, and then we're going up against a second-year program. Would, like, this is their second year football, and they're in the national championship. And so somehow, even with all the stories we had, we were the emotional underdog to a lot of people watching on TV, probably. A lot of people who were just kind of like, you know, let's see these, they want to see these little guys win. And I, it was such a great experience, um, especially, like I said, when I was at Newberry, we didn't have a, we were good at stuff, but we didn't have any sorts of the level of success that we've been that we've been having here at uh, Commerce, and to see it take it all the way hashtag to the top um, and win the thing, and be down on the field and like pack up camera back full of confetti. There's still confetti from the field in my office. Nice. To uh, you know, and it kind of keeps going. Like it's a story that keeps giving. We're able to get a lot of play out of it in the Dallas market, which is about an hour from us. Um, when you're Division Two and you're competing against the Cowboys probably not going to get a lot of love. You bring home a trophy, all of a sudden, people start to pay attention. Um, and we were able to do a ton of fundraising off of the uh, the win, a lot of free publicity, a lot of paid publicity. Um, nothing like being a small school seeing your national championship ad in the airport. Like, that's just a moment you can't get unless you win. And I mean, it was obviously and hugely one of the best professional uh, experiences I think I'll ever have. We may win a ton of them. We may never win another one. But winning that first one is, there's nothing like it. 
how did you sell those stories to the to the national media or maybe even regional media uh, as you guys were going through the playoff run? Things like uh, the quarterback never playing high school football. I heard I heard of that before. How did you sell those stories uh, along the way? Well, we kind of anticipated success, uh, not the not national championship success, but we figured we'd be pretty good. And so we actually started selling that story to people in Dallas and some of the football-specific markets in Texas. We started having individual one-on-one meetings with them to sell that, and I believe it was August or maybe July mm-hmm. um, before our football media day meeting with uh, editor of the Dallas paper uh, and uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football, which out here they call the Bible of Texas football. Um, and so they were able to come down and do a video feature on uh, and you got to start early. It's You can't wait for the success to pop up. You kind of have to be ready for success. Um, but I mean, sometimes the story sells itself. Uh, that. You don't have a story like a like a Louis Perez. I'm never going to have a story that good again. I know it. It doesn't matter. You know, you don't have a guy go from not playing high school football to being a professional quarterback. It just you're not going to top that. It's impossible. But um, yeah, we just one on one meetings and a lot of social media badgering, uh, sliding into people's DMs a lot. Uh-huh. Um, luckily, one of uh, the ticket is one uh, three Marconi Awards. It's the one of the best, in my opinion, uh, sports talk stations in the nation is in Dallas, and one of their uh, morning show hosts is uh, AM Commerce alum. So that helps a lot, um, having a good connection there. And then once you meet people, make sure you maintain those good connections. And uh, I mean, I'll tell you, it's helped in, it's helped in football recruiting. Uh, the next week after that, is was the uh, weekend when all the state high school football finals are played at AT T Stadium where the Cowboys play, and um, I went just to hang out with some of the media guys and say thanks. Got a free pass, you know. I just was trying to, you know, say thanks to a couple people, and it turned into one of the best things I've done because now all these people from smaller towns in Texas want to talk about A M Commerce football because. You know, they just want to talk football in general. But when you can talk championship football, uh-huh. then you've really got them interested. And so it was, uh, and just networking. It's sort of like people said, it's just a different kind of networking with SIDs, but networking with those media members. And now when things pop up on my Twitter timeline and there's retweets and stuff, half of them are high school football media members who just want to keep up with me and, and what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, it was like I said, a great experience and helped me develop professionally too because you're dealing with TV broadcasts that you don't normally deal with. You're dealing with expanded media coverage, especially uh, the quarterback who didn't play high school football. Uh, his parents are from Mexico. And so we started giving Mexican media coverage. Uh, ESPN.com.mx. You're getting emails in Spanish. We got uh, Univision to come to our semifinals. I don't know that they've ever been to a college football game. Uh, mm-hmm. On-field interviews in Spanish uh, with the quarterback and the kicker, I don't know 100% what they were saying, but it all sounded good. <laughs> and then, uh, during the week of the championship game, this is now this is, this is probably the most wild story about the whole thing. And I can't believe I left it out earlier. Um, with the game being on ESPN2, everything goes back through the truck to Bristol. 
and they do a Spanish language uh, broadcast of Monday Night Football. Yeah. And the guys uh, get at me on Twitter on like Monday, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we'd like to do the game." I'm like, "What do you mean you'd like to do like ESPN? This is their deal." And they're like, "Well, yeah, we know, but we're gonna stay." Like, and so they always do it from Bristol, sort of like how the World Cup's being done right now. You know, people watching on screen and doing the audio. And it never got broadcast in the U.S., but we had a Spanish-language broadcast that was essentially a Spanish-language commerce homer broadcast of the national championship game on ESPN Trace, the channel, in Mexico and Central America. Like, I, I was able to pull up a, an illegally streamed feed of it in the press box for about <laughs> two plays with the NCAA guys. Right? And the NCAA had no idea what was happening. It didn't violate any of their rights or anything because it was out of the country. And so there's no telling how many people got to hear our story about a and Commerce and Luis Perez and Christoph Martinez, especially in a market that definitely caters to them. And just because we, we've gotten a story out there that here's this Mexican quarterback who never played high school football. And it was an absolutely unreal experience. Awesome. Well, yeah, that, that seems to be something that uh, definitely should be capitalized on. And hopefully it'll, it'll you know, bring in some more students from that from that nation. Um, I'd like to transition to part of the interview where I usually like to ask some fun questions. Uh, I'm all about fun. Awesome. Sa- that's, that's my primary objective. Well, cool. Well, the first question I have for you, Josh, is uh, your favorite memory in your professional tenure other than the national championship. Other than the national championship? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, see, that, that makes it tough. <laughs> uh, now, my favorite memory... Um, had to be when my first student assistant graduated and brought me a graduation invitation and hugged me. Um, it was the first time I really had a student work for me. Um, his name's Rob Walden. He works at the University of South Carolina now. Uh, still good friends with him. Uh, and it, it was one of the, the first time I had that moment that, you know, what I do is making an impact. And it, it still... Every time now when student-athletes, you know, bring me their graduation invitation or something like that, you know, I, I'm not a big mushy guy. I don't get, I don't get terribly emotional about a lot of things. But, um, and to be honest, I, like in my head, I, I feel like I'm just getting paid to, brag out, paid to brag about sports. But, I, you know, I know that I'm making a larger impact, and I know that's the actual reason I'm doing it. But every time something like that happens, that, that's better than getting a championship ring. What about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? I had to deal with three student-athlete deaths in a year, uh, in one year at Newberry. And it was dealing with one I thought was the worst experience, and then it tripled itself. And it's an experience I don't wish on anybody um, from that aspect. From the more fun horror story, the first game I ever worked, uh, as an SID, my I was at USC Aiken uh, for a road soccer game. They had an open-air press pavilion. It was kind of like a shed on stilts. And uh, somebody shanks the ball out of bounds, and it looks like it's headed for the roof, and it's headed for the roof, and the spin changes, and all of a sudden it's not. And it's square in the back of the laptop and shatters the screen. Wow. And this is the first game I've ever worked. And so the recap did didn't get out until way later that night because if you can't see what you're typing, uh, you're not going to get much typing done. Yeah. So uh, that was the first game I ever worked. 
That's quite, quite the trial by fire. Uh, what's one yeah. thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Oh, that's tough. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying no at all. I know very little about a lot of things. Um, uh, I want to get more into. Uh, I've moved into a more of an administrator's role now that I'm associate AD. Um, I want to learn how people deal with staff and assigning people and finding out who's the best person for certain jobs uh, on your staff. Because the bigger uh, your office gets, the more things you're going to be asked to do. And if you've got somebody who's a great writer, but not great at video, well, don't put them on video. Uh-huh. But you've got to find a way to evaluate that talent, too. And so um, I want to get better at evaluating talent and figuring out the best ways to do it. What's one thing... What's one piece of advice, rather, that you give to a student going into this profession? Uh, find out what you're best at, and then get as good as you can, and then do something different. Don't, if you're a great writer, don't completely abandon that. But then get better at something else as well. Become more well-rounded. Um, you know, that's how I started with writer, but then I got, had to get into graphic design and video as well, and I got better at that. If, if you stay in your lane too much, you're not going to develop the way you want. So stay in your lane until it's time to switch lanes, basically. Awesome. Uh, Kind of a loaded question here, but what makes a good SID? Adaptability um, to the moment. Uh, Being able to adapt. Uh, don't, Don't be too set in what you do. Don't be too set in how you do it. There's not one way to tell your story. There's your way to tell your story. Um, there may be one way to keep basketball stats, but there's not one way to tell the story of that game. And so be adaptable and uh, don't become too stuck in what you do. Yeah, awesome, cool, short and simple. I like it. Uh, so next time someone's in Commerce, Texas, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, well, uh, there's not a lot in Commerce. We actually leave town a fair amount. Okay. Uh, big fan of Dos Laredos Mexican uh, and Lone Star Eatery. Also, now that I'm in marketing, that's two of our corporate sponsors. So um, I'm definitely doing my due diligence there. Uh, if you're in the commerce and you want to eat, come to my house because I've picked up barbecue. Um, it's one of my lifetime dreams and goals. And being from Texas, it's uh, you know, it's a skill I feel like I need to have. So as long as you give me a heads up, I'll, I'll cook for you. You know, Get some smoked meat, some cold beer. And sit in my backyard, which is, uh, depending on the night, can be the best sports bar in comedy. <laughs> awesome. Uh, work-life balance. What, what do you do to have fun? Um, I hang out at home a lot. Uh, right now, I'm hanging out. Uh, you're talking to me. If you're talking to me on the afternoon of July the 3rd. I'm hanging out with my dogs. Just sitting in the house, sitting in the backyard. Uh, barbecue is one of my things now. Uh, I like to play with fire. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird, but that, that that's, uh, comes off the barbecue thing. And then, uh, you know, watch games and, you know, try and get some sleep when I can. Uh, just we, We've got a really good tight-knit staff across the board here at Commerce. Uh, and so just hanging out with them and getting into each other better outside of work. Uh, big, big hobby of mine. Uh, we, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe they want to follow up with you after this, maybe wanted to chat with the new D2 uh, president, uh, what's the best way to do it? Uh, Twitter, at Mank, M-A-N-C-K. Uh, that is best place to get it. I was lucky enough to get just my name on Twitter, um, and that's what most people call me anyway. 
Um, you know, and, you know, talk to me, talk to my friends. Uh, there's a lot of people I want to make sure I give a shout-outs to. Uh, Rising Star, Luke Cordo, Rising Star, Chelsea Chamberlain, Rising Star, Megan Harden, some of my best friends, uh, Paul Smith at Arkansas Tech, Patrick Walsh, uh, Amanda Murphy. We're kind of our own little social comedia, or, or social committee at uh, Cosida. Uh, we, we kind of organize the epic karaoke night uh, at the end. And that turned into one of the, if anybody got to go to that, it was one of those most unexpected, incredible nights of our lives. Uh, and it, look up the story on Facebook and Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, we got Roy Pickroll to sing. It, it, this is basically, to put it into a nutshell, we got Roy Pickroll to do karaoke of Baby Got Back in a gay bar. It, it was the most incredible. And it, if anybody out there knows, knows Roy Pickroll, and, and he sent us notes afterwards like it was one of the best nights of his life. It was so much fun. And then I have friends across the country, across the division, who I talk to all year, who will you know, set up a karaoke night in D.C. to help celebrate a great convention. That's one of my greatest joys in this profession for me. Awesome. Well, Josh, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, congrats again on being named the D2 side of president. Uh, we wish you best of luck. And again, just thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, man. Pleasure having me, and uh, look forward to hearing it. The rest of the people you can Well, guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for listening first and foremost. Don't be sure to... Go over to wherever you get this podcast. Leave a rating and a review wherever you can. Uh, it just takes a couple quick seconds. I do read those from time to time. Um, give us a five-star, four-star, whatever you, whatever you feel like doing. Uh, and if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us and subscribe to us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports InfoCast on both of those. And you can also, I don't know if you guys kind of caught on, but we're, we're uh, sharing these on the uh, Facebook groups of SIDs Working Smarter, Athletic Communications Help, and the like. Uh, we all, I shared the episodes over on there. I know some, every once in a while somebody does, um, as well. So I appreciate all those. I appreciate all the love. Next week we will have Tyler Stevenson, the new Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference SID of the year from Indiana Tech on the pod. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. I know we kind of got our schedules mixed up a little bit, uh, but nonetheless, happy to have him on. Super excited to talk to him and we will catch you all in the next episode.